0: This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Joey Bottinger. What's Welcome going
1: back. On? Welcome back. How have you been? I've been uh, pretty good. Um I talk to you every day. I'm asking so people listening. Yeah, I know. We act like we're today. like, oh, I haven't seen you,
0: but yeah. <laughs> uh, this is all for show. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of it, the, something that has happened that the audience wouldn't know. No, nothing. I got I seriously got nothing. Like the double income no kid life is pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: you're you're busy grinding away. Yeah, I, love it. I love it. It is good. Well, we're happy to be back. Uh it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, since we last talked, Q2 2023 came to a close. So, um, just wanted to get together and review that, give people a sense for what the market did. Um, I think it's, it's nice every once in a while, you know, as an investor, I think sometimes you just, you're in that day to day. Um, I would never encourage anyone to watch day to day necessarily, but, uh, to kind of take an intentional step back and take a high level view, um, not just over the quarter, but, you know, consolidate the last quarter and then use that to inform You know, what do long-term trends look like? Are they still consistent? Are they still showing up? Are they still there? Yeah. Um, and so let's just kind of dive in. I'll start. Okay. Uh, it was a good quarter.
0: It was. And it was, I'm not going to lie, being a, someone that started advising, what, August of last year, which is every investor who looked at all, or even, now you don't even have to be an investor. You knew what happened to the market. The game was brutal. Oh yeah. Brutal. So it was such a breath of fresh air to see almost everyone's, I want to say everyone's, but I don't know for sure, everyone's portfolio going up. And it was just like, that's beautiful. Yep, (laughs) That is wonderful. Yeah. So it was a good quarter. It was really
1: nice. Yeah. So let's just kind of start from the broadest possible level. The All Country World Index. It's an MSCI index, which by the way, stands for Morgan Stanley something index. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah, I think so. I've always read it somewhere. I I know MSCI, but that's as far as I've gone. Um, So the MSCI All Country World Index, it's basically, think of the S&P 500, but instead of, just large U.S. companies, it's mm-hmm. equities everywhere. It's a measure of the global world of stock markets. Uh, it returns 6% over the quarter, which outperformed bonds. So for the third consecutive quarter. Mm-hmm. So the first reason we want to point that out is the equity premium is probably the, the most broadly and commonly understood premium mm-hmm. in markets. And what that premium is, is basically if I invest in stocks over bonds, because I'm taking on a little bit more risk, I should be rewarded with higher returns over time. And there it is. And there it is, right? So stocks, higher return than bonds won't always be the case, but over the last quarter, it was the case. So we like to see that.
0: Yeah. And that's and again, why I was saying there it is, is because greater risk, greater reward. That's simple.
1: Yep. Um anyway. Now how did volatility look over the quarter?
0: Uh it was lower, I guess, uh based on I don't even know how to C B O E how yep, would you CBOE say? C B O E volatility yeah. index.
1: So it's um basically just a measure of, it's the VTI, it's the measure of how much markets are moving around up or down.
0: Yeah. And it's lower, which is great to hear that, that things are trending upward and the volatility is lower, which means people are a little bit more sure. Traders, investors are more sure in where the economy and where the market is headed. So that's really nice.
1: Yep. So walk us through, again, for those that don't know... We're going to use the word premiums a couple of times on this podcast. Oh, yeah. When we say premium, what we basically mean is for certain either sectors or asset classes or certain groups of investments, you would expect a higher return, right? So we say the equity premium, that means equity should have higher return than fixed income or bonds. Um, there's a couple other premiums. We're going to talk about a couple of those. Walk us through how their premiums played out over the quarter. Because yeah. Because... Yeah, it was it an was, it was interesting quarter from that perspective. Yeah, so just,
0: just to list a few of the premiums that we're going to talk about, is specifically ours at Asset Builder, we have the small cap premium, which means small caps over large caps will return over the long run a greater return or have a greater return. Um, and then the value premium, which means value versus growth. So the value stocks uh, tend to have a greater return over the long run, again. Um, and then high profitability premium. I believe as well. Yep, and that just means companies that on their balance sheets have a greater profitability than other companies that don't have a high profitability. Yeah, Some of my favorites because, like, duh.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I like companies that make money. Yeah, this makes sense.
0: That's a should we invest in those? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so anyway, those are the three premiums that we're really going to talk about, and specifically the best performer over this quarter, uh, and not too shockingly, if you kind of look at the history, um, let me get to that for a second. Is large cap low growth, low prof, low profitability, um, had the best return, which isn't too shocking because previously, and I think last year they had one of the worst years, that specific category, the, um, large cap, low growth, low profitability had a really bad return. And so that's not too shocking that when, when you have really, really low results that they're probably going to have the best return in the following quarters, just because that's how it works. Right. That's when those are dirt cheap securities. So if
1: you buy dirt cheap, then all of a sudden you're going to have a great return. So reversion to the yeah. mean, right. And we can trace that back, you know, talked about this with, with clients last week. Mm-hmm. You look at like 2020, right? You had all these, all, we all know the, the, the pandemic darling stocks, right? All mm-hmm. the tech companies exploded to unforeseen heights mm-hmm. during the pandemic, really throughout 2021. And then 2022, there was that reckoning, right? So it was almost like they got overpriced, 2022, they corrected. And that was where a lot of the lawsuits were like, we outperformed the market last year. Not because we're geniuses, but because the value premium showed up in a big way last yeah. year. Meaning yeah. companies with high profitability and that were relatively cheap, massively outperformed. They still lost, but they didn't lose nearly as much as your, you know, your Netflixes, your Ubers, companies mm-hmm. like that. That have very high valuations relative to their earnings. So um, this year we've kind of seen, so 2020, they spike. 2022, they come back down. And then 2023, we've seen those start to rebound a little bit and they've led the rebound because they led the losses. Yeah. So it's not a surprise um, that you see that. And I think the lesson to pull from that, right, that's what we're always trying to get. Like mm-hmm. we, any data could be in these notes and it wouldn't surprise us. What we're always trying to do is, okay, how do we take that data and pull something, pull a conclusion from it, pull something we can educate people on? And the education there is, you can see how hard it would be. Like, imagine if you didn't have a philosophy. Imagine if your only guiding light when it comes to investing was, get the highest return, like find the highest return. Okay, well, even over the last three, three and a half years, it would have been nearly impossible. Oh, yeah. You would have had to go to a very high allocation to low-prof, high-growth stocks. And then the next 18 months, you would have had, had to identify the point to get into high-prof uh low growth stocks and then back again. Yeah. Uh, the odds of executing that yeah. is almost impossible.
0: And that's, and that's kind of, I mean, we say in the notes, like if someone asked in the podcast, if they're listening to this, like, well, if you knew, if it's not so surprising, why don't you get into it? One, it's like you just said, it's really hard to time that and I don't want to take that yep. risk. The risk is way too high for me to justify chasing those returns, right? Because in, in Q2 of 2022, large growth with low profitability returns Take a guess. Well, you might actually see it. Yeah, uh, it <laughs> negative 28.4%. 20, negative I'm not going to like casually throw myself or any of my clients in there and just be like, oh, it should turn around and just, yeah. and just hope for the best. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it, it's not too surprising. But at the same time, that's hindsight. Yeah. That's hindsight 2020. So, yep. um, So, yeah. That's why you don't go chasing those returns. And also, cost money to get in and out of positions, cost people large long-term capital gains, hopefully. Yep. Um. there's a lot of taxes implied with that. So I'm not going to just trade in and out of positions just hoping that I, I get it. Right, right?
1: yeah. It's better it, to stick with the philosophy. Don't chase returns. And also yeah. don't, again, it's that, it's that adage, comparison is the thief of joy. Like, mm-hmm. it, it bears noting over the last quarter, it doesn't mean that small cap and profitable stocks those stocks with those premiums doesn't mean they had negative returns, right? It, they were still positive, just not as much as yeah. those low-prof, high-growth stocks. Yeah. If you're an investor sitting they're going, well, I got 9%, but could have had 11, that your strategy is not broken. Yeah. It's yeah. variance. It's yeah, just, exactly. It's math and statistics, and there's a lot of randomness in there. So you have to remember, it's not always about going out and finding the highest possible return, mm-hmm. because by the time you get there, it's already been. It's already happened. Yeah, it's already. Have already it. Yeah. So it's it, it's a really good example of I think the dangerous nature of looking at short time frames. Yeah, it's been a good year for markets in general. Maybe you could a, say a a poor year for those premiums for the small cap profitable and value premiums. But in general, your portfolio done really well, and yeah. that's the takeaway, right? Yeah. And then if you look at years like last year, maybe you would jump to the opposite conclusion. Oh, I need to be all in these premiums, and I don't want to hold any. You know. Low prof, high growth stocks. Well, that's not true either. You want mm-hmm. a, a steady allocation in a rational way to all these things, mm-hmm. and just realize there's going to be an ebb and flow over time. That's part yeah. of the, that's part of the nature of being invested. Just, yeah. just the way it is. Um, All right, so let's move on. Yeah, let's break it down a little bit further into let's look at the asset classes. I, yeah. I think that's probably the most common way people are looking at this. So walk us through the different asset classes, what those... Uh, no, the asset global. classes for, for those listening. It's yeah. different than sectors. Mm-hmm. When we say asset classes, we're talking typically geographically based and size-based. So U.S. large cap mm-hmm. would be an asset class. Yeah. U.S. small cap would be an asset class. International large cap would be an asset class. So we're going to walk through in that way and then we'll get to sectors in just a minute. Yeah,
0: so we're looking at, in this particular case, kind of more geographically, the global asset classes. Um, so U.S. developed XUS, us which means just internationally without the U.S. involved, emerging markets, so on and so forth. So the U.S. returned 8.39%, developed XUS. us uh, 2.67 emerging markets 1.62 And then bonds US bonds domestic bonds was negative 0.84 which isn't threatening at all uh, and then global ex-US bonds so everything outside of the US uh, 0.74 so
1: so I mean, first takeaway you see that equity premium right away yeah. hit you in the face uh, the other thing I, I think maybe people would argue is look at that and go well why do I want to be globally diversified like mm-hmm. U.S. returned 8.39. Just give me the S&P 500 and, you know. Let me go with it. Yeah, yeah. let me go with it. And, you know, there are certainly worse ways to do it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I'd rather that than a lot of things I see come across the desk. Um, however, last year would be a perfect example why you would not want to do that. Oh, yeah. Last year, it was the exact opposite. U.S. was trailing. So... Again, it's it's not about finding the maximum possible return at any snapshot in time. It's about smoothing out the experience over time so that the downs and the and the highs are not too far apart from one yeah, another. Exactly. And there are going to be periods I I guarantee you where emerging markets is going to have a 35% return over 10 months yeah. and it's going to make your next 3 years. <laughs> yeah. But if you're not there when it happens, yeah. you're not going to catch it. Yeah. So it's one of those things where this is a perfect example of of what returns look like over time. Yeah. I mean, these fall right in line.
0: And I think the one of things too is like bonds, yeah, they didn't return a bunch. They didn't really appreciate, I mean, US bonds are actually negative, but that's not that scary because that's what bonds, you want them to do is yeah. just to stay steady, yep. right? You want to get yields those interest up, payments. Yeah. Which is still positive. yeah, yields are up so that, I mean, that's great. And again, you want your equities and they probably will to float around your bonds. You don't want your bonds to be just as volatile as your equity because when equity is down, you're going to pull from your bonds and then yep um or if you need to make distributions pull from your your bond funds, and then when equities are up, pull from your equities, right yep um to help you keep that portfolio balanced so that's that's not anything to even bat an eye at as far as what happened in the bond market, so absolutely right, um, which is way better than last year again, so that's that's good yep uh okay, let's move on to sectors okay top five sectors,
1: yeah, I can walk through the sector so I mean, we probably all would have guessed information technology, 14.3% led the way. Consumer discretionary, 8.1%. Communication services, 67 Industrial, 65 Global, 5.9%. Um, now, again, I, I think not too surprising given where we've seen the growth. Um, if you look at like the S&P 500, for example, I want to say in 2020, I think it was like 85% of the return, the total return of the mm-hmm. S&P 500 came from the fang stocks. Oh, yeah. It's like you're really not owning the S&P 500. Yeah. You own fang stocks.
0: Which is what? Facebook, Facebook Amazon. Apple. Netflix. Apple. And Google. There's two Twitch A's Which A there. is alphabet. So alphabet, Google. Yeah.
1: Or no. Correct. Uh, Amazon, Apple. Never mind. They're right. They're yeah. Right. Amazon, Apple, <laughs> yeah. Google, and Netflix. I don't um, know how to spell Fang. I bet. You know, this is kind of an aside, but it's been interesting to watch. I think we're going through a period to as as debt's gotten more expensive Mm -hmm. um, and as people are looking a little bit more closely at the balance sheets, in other words, I think it's going to benefit us to be hedging towards profitable companies. I think this era of who cares about profit, and I'm talking on an individual company basis of these executives running companies going, who cares about profitability? We're Mm going to get to scale and then we'll either sell it to the next guy or we'll jack our prices up once we have leverage. We're seeing a lot of companies starting to pay the price for that because we're mm-hmm. in a new regime now. I mean, yeah. it, people are caring about the dollars and cents and where it's all going. Yeah. Um, I think that's why you're seeing layoffs. That's why you're seeing... It's a huge slowdown in M&A. Huge, huge slowdown in M&A. Because you're seeing a lot of... Money's like, not cheap. Yeah. You're, you're seeing a lot of projects at some of these big companies that are, let's say, not core to the business be cut very quickly. And I think you're also seeing a lot of companies that would like to have you believe their tech companies because they want to be valued like a yeah, tech company yeah. that at the end of the day aren't really a tech company yeah um I think WeWork is a very good example of that not that that's recent but it's a good example of a company that was trying to argue and, and wanted to present themselves to the market like a tech company they're not a tech company so I think that'll be interesting to watch how that plays out um especially if rates stay high. But regardless, it was a good quarter for information and,
0: technology. That's and and to that point, you said, like, I think it's going to work out for us to be in high profitability sectors or have that premium on our side. Uh, but we don't know that, right? And yeah. we're not going to change our philosophy or our approach to investing based on hunches like that. So, I mean, again, that's, that's a bet. That, there's a good reasoning for that bet. There's a good hunch for that bet. But we're not going to necessarily change everything to be just high profitability, you know? Correct. So, so yeah, because again, you want that mix to even out the, even out the long term highs and lows. Absolutely right. So uh, with with that, I, we only said the top five, and one of them that I really want to highlight is energy, mm-hmm. because last year energy was the safe haven of all mm-hmm. safe havens. I think I did some research and found that some of the energy ETFs, I think of BlackRock and Vanguard um, XLE, an energy sector ETF, was up. Sixty-four point one seven percent in twenty twenty-two. VDE Vanguard's energy sector ETF was up sixty-two point eight six in twenty twenty-two. Both of these returns sound absolutely incredible, and and they truthfully are. Like I'm not gonna. Like, if you were in those and like really heavily uh, hedged in those, good for you. But I'm not gonna all of a sudden adopt a strategy heavily in in energy, right? Because yep. it, it's kind of like I'm not gonna all of a sudden go buy a truck just because the the, the dealership is like, oh, are we? Added, it's now $5,000 more. It's like, well, I want that shiny new object. No, it's that's not being sold at a discount. I'm not going to go chase that. Um, Year to date, VDE, uh, which is Vanguard's, is down 4.79%, and XLE is down 5.12%. Yep. And then if you do the 10 year returns, now now this is where it's like, and one year returns are not a really good indicator of how this is done, right? Because they can, I mean, as you see, they can go wildly up and, and or stay down. Um, but over the long run, 10-year return for VDE is 3.18 and XLE is up 4.01%. And these are total returns pulled from Yahoo. So let me look at this. So the MCI, and now, now I want to do a little bit of a breakdown, a little bit more like broad than just these ETFs. Sure. Uh, so the MCI, All Country World Energy, so the entire energy sector, uh, annualized was close to 5%, 4.97. hmm uh, cumulative return, 148.38%. And then annualized standard deviation, which just means, which is just another word for volatility, is 23.64. Wow, that's high. The MCSI um, world energy, which is a little bit different than all country world energy, was 5.10%. Cumulative return, 154.22. And then volatility, or standard deviation, 24.11. Now, our most equity-heavy portfolio, which is our wealth 100-0, 100% equities, 0% bonds, uh, annualized return was 9.6, cumulative return, 457.64%, with a standard deviation of 16.42, which just means it is less volatile than those two others, right? Less volatile than the energy sector. With better return. With with substantially better returns, not just slightly better, substantially better returns. So that proves the point of like, that's why we want to be in these different sectors. That's why we want to be in these different, have a, a good balance of these premiums, right? Yep. And uh, over that
1: time frame, I I would I would guess, I can't say this definitively, but I would guess the same, because what you're trying to demonstrate is concentration, sector concentration lowers your return and increases your volatility. Absolutely. It's the opposite of what you want. We're trying yeah. to optimize for give me a, an amount of volatility and I need to maximize the return I get for that volatility. The efficient And frontier. what we're saying is the only difference between Wealth 100 and those two energy indexes mm-hmm. is that we're more diversified. Yeah, like we have more, much more exposure to lots of different types of companies, a lot, a lot of more geographies, a lot of more. That's not it.
0: <laughs> and, and those numbers, by the way, are from October 2004 to July of 2023. So right. 19. So even, even more broad. Right. So what I was going to say yeah. was,
1: over that period, I bet you the same is true regardless. Because if someone's sitting in their head thinking like, well, they're cherry picking an index to, or a, a sector to make it look good, it's probably true for all the sectors except maybe information technology. Maybe, Over that period, information technology may have outstripped, but again, I think we're just now seeing information technologies kind of come up in a zero interest rate environment where, you know, burning a ton of cash didn't necessarily mean death, where we're starting to see that really start to catch up. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think it's a beautiful point. And and I want to get to some of these longer term figures, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, for this quarter, all the premiums that we target failed. Right? Yeah. Now they were still we had really strong returns. Yeah. But if you're looking at just the well, let's say a non-premium tilted index, we trailed. Slightly, mm-hmm. but we trailed. So the argument could be made like, what good are these premiums? Mm-hmm. And so we say, well, for the quarter, you're right. For the quarter, you're absolutely right. But let's push that back a little bit. And by a little bit I mean a lot. Right. So yeah. let's look at long-term <laughs> history to really drive this point home. Yeah. And again, this is not a defense of Most people that listen to this podcast aren't clients anyway. I I don't necessarily care. I I don't have anything to defend. Mm -hmm. It's more about, for those people listening that are trying to figure out how to navigate the world of investing themselves, Mm -hmm. this is such a key, two key fundamentals, which is one, stay diversified. Don't get rid of the low performers because today's low performers are tomorrow's high performers. Mm -hmm. Number two, when you're evaluating your holdings and your performance, do not get caught up over short timeframes. And and I would say that's even one, two, maybe even three years. Like In terms of Uh, of market history, there's just not much resolution to be had. There's there's very little predictive data coming from performance over short timeframes. So to demonstrate that point, you combined a lot of good data here and I want to walk through them. Over 96 years, if you just take value versus growth, value has returned 12.7% annually for 96 years and growth 9.7%. Mm-hmm. Does this mean value beats growth on a yearly basis? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And then you break that in. I'll let you walk through some of those specifics, but yeah. there are a lot of periods where growth wins. Oh yeah, a lot. And especially recently, I think we know that. And so... Um
0: some of the examples, right? July 2017 to June 2022, and this one, this one hurts. Let's, I'm going to be honest. Value returned negative 3.1, while well, growth returned 17.6. Now, yep. July 2020 to December of 2022, value returned 28.7 percent, and growth returned 6.6. 6. And that's where you see that show up. Now, do we want to jump into to small and large? Again? Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. just one comment sure. on the value versus growth. So when we say a tilt, let me just. Oh yeah. describe yeah. that a little further because we're not saying growth is bad. We're not saying get rid of all the growth companies or, yeah, don't do or if we're looking at size, we're not saying get rid of all the large cap and only hold small. What we're saying is tilt a little bit, right? So the, the classic kind of analogy in the industry is think about an ice tray, right? And you pour water in the, in the ice tray holds. All we're doing is tilting it slightly, not, not so that any water falls out, just that a little bit more water flows into, let's say, the small cap side or the value side. We still want exposure here, but for every dollar, we want 52 cents in value and 48 in in growth. And the reason is, is because over time, markets have a lot of negative volatility. And when that happens, those value stocks fare much, much better. Mm -hmm. Those growth stocks are typically the ones that are going to, not all, but they're the ones that are going to really hit hard times when markets get tight, when markets get get overheated. Those are going to be the ones that fall by the wayside. Value companies A, you've paid less for them, so you've gotten a better deal, Uh, and B, they're typically more stable. They're more, they're typically older companies, have more sound books, Um, their finances are a little bit more stable. So that lack of drop-off, falling out of the index altogether, is what, again, like the name of the game is, if you're, same thing with profitability, if you still exist, relative to a company that stops existing, mm-hmm. that's a win, yep. right? So <laughs> that is, that's really yeah. what we're capturing. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we don't want... And that was the point I was trying to make. It doesn't mean we don't want those other companies because... Mm-hmm. Let's say you retire in a year like 20s, 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's... Or let's say 2017. You still want those growth companies because if the premium falls away, you still need something to show up. Yeah. And there will be periods where growth will buoy your portfolio. Yeah, so, like in- you 2017. Need, that's right. So yeah. we're not handpicking where we diversify. When we say we diversify, and that you should diversify, we mean that you should diversify. Yeah. But there are tweaks within there. So that's all we're trying to really, truly really explain. I'm,
0: I'm really curious. Hold on. I'm really curious how long that metaphor of the ice tray will last because I don't know how many
1: fridges out there have ice even trays? have ice trays anymore. Dude. that you
0: have to like walk from the sink, which was a I used an ice tray circus
1: like act two <laughs> weeks ago. Oh <laughs> really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an older house, but still. That's they're fair. out there. That's, that's fair. fair. Shout that's out to all you ice trade people. I love you. You're my kind of people. You know, I grew up an ice tray guy. Still water everywhere. And, I grew yeah. up an ice trade guy. Same. I'll, no, no, I'll, no, no. I'll be one until I die. <laughs> uh, all right. Real quick, let's, before everyone falls asleep with all yeah. the data we're throwing at them, uh, let's walk through small versus large. So yep. small companies versus large companies.
0: From 1926 to June 2000, I know that's still a while ago, but June 2000, small caps returned 12.35% and large returned 1091 Now, what about the last 20 years? Great question. Glad you asked. From 1999 to June of 2023, the MSCI, or MSCI, sorry, U.S. large cap was 6.46%. MSCI U.S.
1: small cap was 9.83%. And I will point out that period, that last 20 years, not 1999 to 2023, yeah. Like the last half of that was the heyday for large cap. Like the best run large cap has ever had. Oh, yeah. And it still couldn't outpace small cap over that period. Like you said, still not
0: saying get rid of all small or all large caps. Don't do that. Um, Correct. You want some in there for sure. But and, don't and let a co-
1: quarter like this Yeah. make you waiver that, oh, small cap is dead or value yeah. is dead. It's most yeah. certainly not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then from 2012 to 2023, the MSCI the world outside of U S so international large cap was 5.52 and then international small cap was 5.82. So it really didn't show up that much yep. uh, for, for international, but again, it was slightly there by 0. 0.3. Yep. Um, that's, I mean, again, yeah, having that slight tilt and if you can get that 0. 0.3 premium, that's awesome. Yep. Go for it, you know?
1: Yeah. But, well, I, I think, I mean, I, I think we've covered it. What I want people to walk away with is, you know, uh, yes, the premiums weren't there, but by no means, that means it's a bad quarter. We're thrilled with how this quarter was. Mm-hmm. Um, the lesson I want everyone listening to take away is, remember last year, and I, I could probably point to five different points on episodes we did last year, mm-hmm. talking about market history and what it looks like. And this is the example. This is the example. And this is not surprising. This is what we would have expected in the middle of last year was a faster than expected recovery in all the areas we're seeing it which were the ones that were down most yeah so remember this and file this away in your brains the next time you encounter market volatility as long as you've adjusted your portfolio properly and diversified it properly for your circumstances don't panic yeah right that doesn't mean you can't feel uncomfortable yeah but don't pull that trigger because Markets give back what they take more times than not very, very quickly. And that's yeah. what we're seeing. And we're glad to see that because it means there's something true in that data. Yeah. Right. It's not an outlier. There's something, something we can glean from that. Yeah. So I'm glad we're able to do this. Is there anything we haven't talked about?
0: No, I just want, I want you to know that we're people too. Like, yep. this is not going to be a smooth ride. I we just said all value, all the premiums that we have and that we go by were negative. And so... It's not going to be a smooth ride. It's no. definitely not. Uh, we get tested like everybody yeah, and else. and that's the same thing. It's like we get tested too. It is tested all the time because as an advisor, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no, this is good. This is good. This is good. I got well, to it. Well, in some ways, right? You know? Like
1: we invest our, yeah, our own personal yes, money so yeah. we feel it there, but we also show up to work every day. And at the end of the day, like there's a lot we do in our yeah. business that is more than just here's your return. But, mm-hmm. you know, net, 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 net. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. we get paid to grow people's money. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so we do follow this closely mm-hmm. and we care. And so when the premiums don't show up, we feel that probably more than anybody. Yeah. But the benefit of it all is because we do every day, because we study this information so much and we've had it re kind of, we, we've, we've talked about it so much that, that we have learned mm-hmm. and, and we have built that muscle memory and that brain memory to to build up that discipline. And it's the Mm -hmm. number one thing you can do as an investor is to be disciplined. So we hope that's what you take from today's episode. Uh, We'll be back in, actually we've got one that we recorded, so we might be back in a little bit less than two weeks. Sounds good. and then we'll we'll keep them rolling. Thanks for being here. If you have any questions, any topic ideas, anything we can do to help, if you have questions about your own life, we'd be more than happy to speak with you and point you in the right direction. You can contact us at podcast at acidbuilder.com. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Thank you as always for listening. Joey, thanks for being here. I'd be here. All right, man. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. If you
0: have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.